Hey guys, this is Pastor Josh from Fresh Church. We are so excited that you are joining us for our podcast today. I do want to tell you that we pray at Fresh Church that you would get involved in the local church in your city. The Bible says that those that plant themselves in the house of the Lord will flourish. And a podcast and an online experience, a YouTube uh, sermon is amazing, but it does not replace the local church, the hope of the world, the community, the family that God has placed all of us in. And so we hope you find that and we hope you enjoy this message today. Church on fire. I believe that more so than anything else in the whole entire world, that what God wants is a church on fire. And going into year four, that is my desire, is that we would be a church on fire. But not only that we would be a church on fire, that we'd be a people on fire. Because a church on fire doesn't happen unless a people on fire is ignited first. Do you know that? So it has to start with you being on fire. And it got me thinking yesterday, I got home from Ireland on Friday, and then immediately on Saturday, um, we had to get in a car, or Friday, excuse me, I got home on Thursday, and then on Friday, we immediately had to get in a car and and drive to Atlanta, Georgia, um, because we were going to go there for a family member for something that she's a part of, and it was a great trip. But let me tell you, I was a little jet lagged, and I was not very fun to be around. You can ask my wife, a little grouchy, a little moody. And, um, but yesterday I started to kind of feel like myself again, and, and, and we were driving back through the hills, almost into Chattanooga. And I remember when I was in college, I, I remember one time I was coming back from that trip, that exact same trip, and, and I was driving through those hills, and I was driving through, and I saw the mountains, the beautiful mountains that are right there in like Dalton, Georgia, right before you get into Chattanooga, and I remember that there was... Um, a song that came on, and because I had just really been saved that summer. I was 20 years old, maybe 21, something like that. And, and, and I remember like how desperate I was for God. I remember how desperate I was just to, to, to sing to Him, to taste Him, to see that the Lord was good, to know Him, to, to just tell people about Him. I was so desperate and I was so hungry. And, and, and there was, that summer was the first summer ever that this passion movement founded by Louis Giglio started. And they had their first album out. I don't know if maybe some of y'all remember that back in like the 2000s, you know, if you were in that age. Come on, somebody. And they had this one worship song, and it was like, Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your courts and a thousand elsewhere. And I remember I was like just jamming to that song. Right? As hard as you can jam to a Chris Tomlin song. I was jamming. Like, it was absolutely amazing. But I remember I was so desperate. I was so hungry for God. And right there in that car in my 1997 or 93, whatever year it was, a Suzu Trooper that I was driving. It was red. I had tires. It was awesome. I loved that car. I still want it sometimes. But I remember I was just so desperate. I was so hungry. I was so on fire for God to do something in my life. I didn't know I was going to be a pastor. I didn't know I was going to be a youth pastor. I didn't know I was going to have a church one day. I didn't, I, it wasn't about the number of people that would come to my church. It wasn't about if I was ever going to reach to this or this or this. I was just hungry for God to use me. There was a fire that was burning. 
And then that year I went to college and I surrendered my life to God and I was a, a living as a person on fire for God. And God began to do things in my life that I could have never imagined. He began to open up doors that I could have never imagined that would have been opening. I started speaking at all these things, and, 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 and God just started flooding in. And then I, I got a job as a camp pastor, and I met my, my, my awesome wife there. And then, you know, God sent me to Birmingham, and then he sent me to Savannah, and then he sent me to Lexington, Kentucky, and then he sent me to Tampa, Florida, and then he sent me here. And my prayer is that I would be a man on fire for God. You ever seen a fire? Hopefully you have. Hey, you don't have to tell anybody when there's a fire, do you? Because you know it. You see it. You can sense it. You can smell it. It's all over you. When you're around a fire, you know that there's a fire. And there's three types of fires, isn't there? There's a little campfire. Like some of y'all, you, you know, you like to go camping. And, and then you make that little fire. And you're like, oh, look at that cute little fire. It's not going to hurt anything, right? But then you, some of you, 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 you get a little bigger, right? You get a little bit more advantageous. You're like, we're not just going to have a little campfire. We're going to have a bonfire. And we're going to invite 100 people over and play some country music. And it's going to be fun. And we're going to have a big old bonfire. And, and there's a big difference between a campfire and a bonfire, isn't there? Isn't there? Maybe there's a campfire in a Bible study and then there's a bonfire in a, in, in, in a worship service. I don't know. But I don't think that God wants a campfire and I don't think that God wants a ch church that's a bonfire either. Because I don't think it's big enough. You ever seen a wildfire? You're like, well, you, you, no, you don't want a wildfire. Wildfires in California have destroyed so many homes. Wildfires are, are you, you can't stop them. Like, like you, you, you work and work and work and work to stop them, and, and, and it's almost impossible to stop a wildfire. But maybe that's the point when it comes to the church. What if God wants us to be a wildfire here in Nashville, Tennessee? Because I'm telling you, this week when I was over in Ireland, they want Fresh Church to be a wildfire that doesn't just stop in Nashville, but goes all over the globe to reach people for Jesus Christ. And that's what's happening. Do you know that? Why are you content with this little campfire in your life? Why are you content with a bigger bonfire when God wants to use you to be a wildfire for him? Our city, our world, this, your, your neighbor needs a wildfire to come sweeping through their life. Not just somebody that's a nominal Christian that's just attending church on a Sunday and checking it off the list just because you were raised in it. Who cares about that? Who cares about it? If you want to play church, if you want to go to church, there's a lot of churches. But if you want to be a part of a fire... If you want to be a part of a church on fire, when you come into the room that people see that you're on fire, you don't have to advertise a church that's on fire. Because it's seen everywhere. You know it. You see it. You smell it. The effects are everywhere. See, that's what I want going into year four for this church is for us to be a church on fire. Does anybody else want that? So what does a church on fire look like? I believe that that's found in Colossians chapter 1. I want you to turn there. Colossians chapter 1, starting in 
verse 3. Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Paul writes to this church. This is a church on fire. We always thank God for the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith. The first aspect of a church on fire is that people have actually heard of our faith. Let me tell you something. Do people know of your faith in Jesus? Your faith in Jesus. Have people actually heard about it? Have, have they actually heard about the fact that you stepped out? You didn't think you could raise money to go to Ireland, but you did. And God brought you there. And then God used you in a place that you never thought that you would be able to go. Has people heard of your faith and your generosity? Has people heard of your faith and your love? Has people heard of your faith? Or are you just keeping it in? See, a church on fire, people will hear of your faith. Of your faith. Of how you step out into the unknown, not knowing what is going to happen. That's what faith is. Stop trying to live in the certainty, Christian. And step into a life of faith, and then people will see your faith. People will see you stepping out. People will see you doing things that you could have never done. It says, we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, not in just anything, right? But our faith in Christ Jesus. We have a faith that is backed by Christ Jesus. Jesus, and we have heard of your faith and of the love you have for God's people. People will hear of our faith, and then people will hear of our love. Faith and love always go together. You can't have great faith and not have great love for one another. And so I want this church, a church on fire, is one that has great faith and is stepping toward things that we don't see and is going toward things that we don't see. But it is also a people and also a church that loves people, that loves people, that when you come here for the first time, you go, man, that church is on fire because they love people and I can just sense it. It's in how they act. It's in how they move. It's in what they do. It's, in, it's not only in the church on Sunday, but, but, but it's in, in, the, in the, the Christian chicken restaurant on Monday called Chick-fil-A. Somebody come on, hallelujah, for Christian chicken. It's the one thing I wanted in Ireland so bad. I was like, man, I got to give me some Christian chicken. Come on. They didn't have any. They had some Christian fish and chips, and they had some Christian bacon. Come on, I got saved on some bacon over there. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> they will have heard of your faith. They will hear of your love for all of God's people. And in verse 5, it says, The faith and love that spring forth from the hope stored up for you in heaven. See, our faith and our love comes from a spring of hope. A church on fire streams from hope of Jesus that is in heaven. Where's your hope today? Is it in your bank account? Some of y'all got mad problems if it's in your bank account, right? Is it in a person? Is it in a relationship? Or does your hope Stream from something that is ever eternal. Does your hope stream from heaven? Does your hope stream from something that can never, never, never disappoint you? Because when you put all of your hope in Jesus, the Bible says that it will not disappoint you. So where is your hope today? 
Does your hope spring from the eternal truth of from heaven? And his name is Jesus. And guess what happens when we do that? The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about what you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. Because we have a hope that comes from Jesus, a church on fire will bear fruit and it will be growing. A church on fire will bear fruit and it will be growing toward Jesus. A church on fire will bear fruit. We, this church, I can't begin to tell you how proud of you I am. That, that I got to see nine people this whole entire week in Ireland just living out their faith. I can't tell you how proud of you I am when I go into restaurants and I'm there with my small group on a Tuesday morning and, and I see a, a, a waiter or a waitress or somebody um, just in, in, in Pinewood Social being blessed because there's a group of Christians from Fresh Church that's bearing fruit there in that restaurant. I can't tell you how amazing it is that when we live out the gospel, I can't tell you how amazing it is when I see some people bringing other people every single week because they know that there has been seed that has sown, has been sown in their life, and now God is bringing it to fruition, and they start growing, and they start going out and sowing seed because they know that the goal of the Christian is not just for me to take the seed and for me to just plant it in here and not go and grab some seed and start throwing it to every everybody else. You see, that's what you have to have. And so it bears fruit and people are coming into the house because you're going out and you're sowing seed and you're inviting other people to come into this thing too. It's amazing when I see that. It's amazing when I see that. A church on fire will bear fruit and it will be growing. It will be growing. Not only here in Nashville, but all over the world. And that's what I am seeing. This week, when we were in Ireland, I had this lady. We were in a house, and we were singing some songs. And this lady, um, I, I stood up, and I gave a little encouragement, and I gave a little uh, vision for what we hope to do in Ireland. And she said, hey, that's great, but you just need to know that your church has an anointing on it when it comes to the worship and the word that's going to affect this whole entire country. Do you realize that? So you better go home and write some more songs. You better go home and tell your people what they're a part of. You, you, you better go home and tell your people that, that, that you're not only bearing fruit and you're not only sowing seed here in the States, but you're doing it all over the world. That's what a church on fire looks like. And this is what Paul says in verse 6, that we will be growing throughout the whole world. Then go to verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. And we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. A church on fire is filled with the knowledge of his will. What is the knowledge of God's will? It's his purpose for your life. Do you really know your purpose? I can't tell you how amazed I am that I'm talking to certain people and, and they're, they're in their 40s, they're in their 50s, they're in their 30s, and they still don't know their purpose. Do you know your purpose? A, a church on fire has begun to go, God, what 
is my purpose. You're not the knowledge of your will for my life. The knowledge of your will for my life. What is the knowledge of your will, the purpose of my life? Will you reveal that to me? Because when a church begins to walk in purpose, and every single one of you have a different purpose, but we all have the same purpose, and that is to make Jesus known. Do you know that? And we begin to walk in that purpose in everything that we do, whether it is in the medical field, whether it is in the law field, whether it is in the music profession, whether it is in the teaching profession, whether it is whatever, and we start coming together as one, if one purpose of building the body of Jesus and building people and making Jesus known in their life, then that's when we will become a church on fire. Do you know what your purpose is? Or do you still think your purpose is about you? Do you still think your purpose, like people are living for themselves, people are living for what they want, people are living for the house, they're living for the car, they're living for this and this and this. Do you really think that your purpose on life is stuff? Just gaining more stuff that's going to rot and be forgotten? Do you really think that your purpose is to make your name known? When I was in Ireland, we went to this church where they say that St. Patrick was. It's also a church where apparently he fell and chipped his tooth, but that's a different story, right? But we're in this church, and around this church, there's all these graves. And I want you to think about this. Some of the graves were so old that all they were was a little stub in the ground. Got me thinking. I can't even read the person's name on this tombstone. It's all buried up. It's so old that it's all buried up. And God hit me. And he said, that's how you're supposed to live. It doesn't matter what your name is. It matters that my name is on you. You see that? It matters that my name is on you. As a Christian, I no longer live for me. The Bible says that I die so that he might what? Live. So why am I still living for my name? Why am I still living for my purpose? Why am I still no living? So somebody would know Josh Hawk. Dear God, please, somebody let no, no, somebody know Josh Hawk's name. And he's like, it's not about nobody knowing your name, Josh. It's about everybody knowing my name. Live for my glory and you will be lifted up. You will have a purpose that is beyond you. You have a purpose that's beyond your name. Because in just uh, 200 little short years, nobody is coming to your grave. To check out who you were or what you were about. But if you live for my name, oh, the effect. If you live for my purpose, if you live for the knowledge of my will, oh, the effect. 
Because then it won't matter what your name was. It will only matter whose name is on you, Josh. Whose name is on you. So let's live for the purpose of the knowledge of his will. Verse 10, a church on fire. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Bearing fruit in every good work. Growing in the knowledge of God. When we know our purpose, that purpose allows us to live a life worthy of the Lord and living in a purpose that pleases him. Did you know it pleases God when you live for God's purposes? God is pleased. He looks at your life and he goes, oh, she's not living for Kayla anymore living for something else. That's awesome. Look at Kayla go. Come on. It is pleasing. Not living for Brendan anymore. Not living for Matt. Not living for Lindsay. Not living for Ashley. Not living for Joe. Not living for anybody else. Living for me. Living for my purposes. Living for something that's greater. Oh my gosh, look at that child go. It pleases me to see my children living in their purpose. Being a church on fire on fire it says we will bear fruit in every good work and we are growing do you know what to grow means it means to never arrive let me ask you do you have a never arrived attitude about your life growing in every good work you will continually grow the thing i love about my life is just when i think oh man you know i'm doing pretty good he's like man you don't know anything josh you don't know anything. Just when I think, oh, man, I, have, I, I love God. I, like, what more can I know about you? I open up the Bible to a book like Philemon that's one chapter, and then all of a sudden I'm just downloading all this stuff. I'm like, where did that come from? I've read this book ten times. God said, yeah, you know nothing, do you, Josh? No, I don't. Thank you, Jesus. I have never arrived. A church on fire has never arrived. Woo, okay, back up. Hey, Nashville. You know what I think is one of the biggest hindrances in Nashville? Is we think we've arrived when it comes to church. People, they told me when I came to Nashville to plant a church three years ago, oh, you go to Nashville, it doesn't matter there about if you've got cool music. Like there's some towns where you can just show up and, and we can have this and there will be a thousand people there because they'll be like, oh my gosh, what is this? This is absolutely amazing. But here they'll be like, man, DC Talk, Steve Kerr Chapman, they've been doing music like that for years, 20-something years. What you got for me? I love contemporary Christian music. I'm Nashville. Come on. You think I'm joking? Oh, we've arrived. We are musical geniuses. We know it all. We come into church with an attitude. We come into church with an attitude of, oh, I'm just going to judge this, and I'm going to judge this, and I'm going to judge that, and I'm going to judge this. And if that church doesn't have this, and that church doesn't have that, and that church doesn't have this, then I will just go to another one and keep hopping and not be planted until I find the church that suits all of my needs when God is saying, it's not about you. think you've arrived the moment you think you've arrived that's the reason why you don't come into church with expectation you think you've arrived that that that's the reason why you don't come into church leaning in and desperate for God because somehow you think you've arrived 
And if that's you, then you're a Pharisee, according to the Bible. Those are the ones that thought they had arrived, and guess what? They missed out on Jesus. There's a book that just came out by a pastor that I'm getting ready to read, and I'm really excited about it because it's called The Unsaved Christian. And it's all about his 15 to 20 works, uh, 20 years of work deep in the South talking to people that thought they were saved, but they're actually not even followers of Jesus. They just go to church. And they think they know, but they don't. And if I'm rubbing your shoulders a little bit today and, you, and your butt's getting a little hot in the seat, good. Because I didn't come to make you happy today. You know why I came? I came to preach the truth to you. Because I don't want unsaved Christians. What I mean by that is maybe you're like, oh, man, well, you know, like, um, man, I just came to church because somebody invited me. And this was like intense, man. That's why I don't want church. No, no, no. Let me just tell you something. When you give your life to Jesus and you go all in and you begin to be on fire for Jesus, it is the best thing that you could ever be a part of. But when you get into religion and you get into church and you get into attendance and you get into judging, and that's what happens sometimes. You see these people that were so on fire for Jesus and then they just get settled to just spend five minutes a day with Jesus and that's it. Or they just get settled and they don't even want anything and they just get settled and they just start coming to church and it's just about coming to church and it's just about going to a small group and it's not about being desperate and hungry for Jesus and then there's no fire in their life anymore and that's what I don't want. Come on. Man, people. Come on. That's what I don't want. Because there's enough of that here. There's enough of that. What are we really doing? What are we really doing? Look at the world around us. We're the most lonely generation that we've ever been. You know why? Because there's not a church on fire. We're settling for Instagram. And we're settling and thinking that we're really connecting somebody by liking something. That doesn't really connect with anybody. Just makes people want more likes. <laughs> Your comment is not a real comment sometimes. You know what's a real comment? Pick up the phone and call somebody. Connect with somebody. A church on fire. Did, did, did you know that in the last two years, in the last two years, suicide has now overtaken the number, one of the leading causes of death, more so than car wrecks in America. Why? Because of loneliness and depression and anxiety. Because we're the most connected but yet loneliest generation ever. See, this is why I believe that God wants to do a revival. I believe that God wants a church on fire. I believe that God wants us to never have 
arrived. I believe that God wants us to live in what verse 11 says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. being strengthened by all power. I don't want power from Netflix. I don't want power from Instagram. I don't want power from Facebook. I don't want power from my latest self-help technique. I want power that is real power in my life. I want power where people look and go, I got that power, power, power. And I'm not talking Justin Bieber back in the old day school. Come on, you know, I'm talking Real power. Do you want real power in your life? Do you? Who am I talking to today? Come on, people. Wake up. Do you want real power in your life that will not come from just living in every single way that the world lives? And doing everything that the world is doing. And doing everything that your neighbors are doing. What is the difference between you and somebody that doesn't know Jesus? What's different about your life? What's different about my life? What do I value that's different? And I'm not saying that we should just be like the weird alien. But scripture says that we should be weird. That our lives will look different if we are really following after Jesus, and we will be strengthened with a power so that when cancer comes, we are not overtaken by our cancer. We are rooted in a power that comes from something else, and people will go, how are you getting through this? It's because I'm rooted in a power that is something else. It's because I'm part of a church on fire, because I'm not, I'm not just going to stream my church. I'm not just going to listen to a podcast and think it's church. I'm going to be connected to a church that's on fire because that podcast is not going to pray for you when your mother gets cancer. But you know who will? This. Right here. I will. Matt will. That's why you got to be a part of a church on fire. The enemy loves that we are not strengthened with the power of Christ. We're strengthened by all these other things that claim to give us power but really don't. So that through his strength and power, in verse 11, we can endure and have patience. Let me tell you, it will get hard. Jesus doesn't say when the storms come or if the storms come. He, says, he, does, he does say this. He says when the storms come. And so that's why we have to have strength from a power that comes from something beyond us. So that we can endure and have patience. And then in verse 12, a church on fire, giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. A church on fire gives thanks, joyful thanks to the Father. So that's why when you come in and we were singing these upbeat songs and we're up here dancing around and jumping around, you know how we're doing that? Because I'm giving a thanks to God. Joyful thanks. Doesn't our world need some joyful thanks? Don't you need some joyful thanks? Don't you need just somebody to come into your life and say thank you? You know what does the Father's heart so good is when there's a church that's just so thankful for the things that he is doing in their life. 
A church on fire is going to be a, a church that lives a life of gratitude. A church on fire, according to verse 12, knows whose they are. Knows whose they are. Know that they have a dad. If you don't have a dad, then you have a dad. His name is Abba, and he is your daddy. And you need to go to him, and you need to go, I didn't have a dad, but now I do have a dad. Because guess what? I know whose I am. And because not only do you know a church on fire knows who their dad is, but they also know what they got. They know that they're qualified by God. Because some of you, you're sitting there and you're thinking you're not qualified because of your last mistake. And I'm here to tell you that God is the one that qualifies you. We are qualified by God. And then, not only that, but they know that they have an inheritance and they know that they are part of the kingdom of light. And the kingdom of light affects every thought and every choice. Let me just tell you what a church on fire does. A church on fire runs everything through the lens of the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of this world. Why? Because you're a part of a different kingdom. You know where your inheritance is coming from. You know, you know whose you are. There are certain things that I look at my kids. I've got a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old. And there are certain things that I look at them and I'll go, that's not what we do in this family. Here's what we do in this family. And see, a church on fire, they know who their dad is. They know where they come from. They know what kingdom they're a part of. And so when decisions are coming, they're like, should I do this or should I do that? Some of it is an automatic response of, that's not what we do in this family. Because I'm a part of the kingdom of light. A kingdom of light. The kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Oh, is somebody thankful that we have been rescued from the dominion of darkness today? Come on. Is somebody grateful for that? We have been rescued from the dominion of darkness. We are now a kingdom of light. And he has rescued us from the, the kingdom of darkness and brought us in to the kingdom of the son that he loves into the kingdom of Jesus. Come on, somebody. And the church on fire knows that. The church on fire knows what they've been saved from. And that's why a church on fire is sitting there worshiping with all they got. They're not sitting in, coming in, going, oh, man, I'm just going to get my coffee. I'm just going to go, oh, what's up, man? I'm here at church, whatever. No, no, no. Slap, slap, slap that coffee right out of your hands. And you better be getting your hands up in the house of the Lord because you know what you've been saved from. And you're thankful. And you're joyous. And that doesn't mean if you hold a cup of coffee that you can't worship in your own way. You can. I know some of you do. But what I'm saying is, is man, I get way more out of a football game when I'm all in it physically. And I'm not sitting there with my nachos because when the, the team scores, I put down the nachos and I'm jumping up and down. And I'm going, yeah, baby, come on. They just scored. And I'm here to say, yeah, baby, come on. We have just been set free from the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And we should be jumping up and down. Excited about that, being a church on fire. Come on, somebody. Yes. Why? 
Because we are part of the kingdom of the Son that He loves in Christ, in whom we have. Woo, listen to this. Listen to this. In whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Church on Fire has been rescued, brought into the kingdom of Jesus, and is redeemed and forgiven. Here's why I think Jesus redeems us and forgives us. Not so that we can live in the past, and not so that we can live in the future, but so that we can live in the now. Some of you have anxiety and depression, and you know why? Because you're either living in the past or you're living in the future. And you know where the place of peace comes? Peace can only come in the now. Peace is not found in your future because you don't know what's in your future. Peace is not found in your past because you've already been there and you know what that's like. Peace can only be found in the present. Jesus didn't redeem you and forgive you so that you could live in the future or so that you could live in the past. He redeemed you and forgave you so you could live in the now. That's where the peace that you're looking for will be found. That's where it will be found. And the church on fire lives redeemed and forgiven. A church on fire isn't like, oh, we're super Christians. Look at us. We're amazing. We found Jesus. You didn't. You're out. Bye. See ya. No, a church on fire goes, that was me. so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here because what you're going to find is what I found. What you're going to find is redemption from your mistakes. What you're going to find is forgiveness from your mistakes. Come on in, the kingdom, brother. I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to love you. I'm here because I'm redeemed. I'm here because I've been forgiven. And I know what I've been redeemed from. And I know what I've been forgiven from. And it's the greatest thing. And that's why I worship. And that's why I sing the way I do. And that's why I'm on fire for Jesus is because I've been redeemed from my past. I've been redeemed from my sins. I've been forgiven. I've been set free. And I want that for you. A church on fire wants that for everybody they see. And as the band comes back up. Church on fire is desperate for God. Church on fire is that 20-year-old that was driving through the mountains of Tennessee or Georgia getting ready to go into Tennessee. Just desperate for more of God. Would you stand to your, your feet, Fresh Church? See, there's going to be some messages where I'm going to come in here as your pastor and I'm going to encourage you. And there's going to be some messages where I equip you. And there's going to be some messages where I wake you up. And I want this to be a wake-up message. Because there's too much on the line. 
There's too much on the line for us not to be a church on fire. But again, where does a church on fire start? It starts with you. Everybody just get your finger pointed up in the air for a minute. And now point it right at your heart. Church on fire doesn't happen until it happens in you. Until it happens in you. And you know what I love? There's moments in your Christian life where you're going to be that wildfire. There's moments where you're going to be a bonfire. There's moments where you're going to be a campfire. And then there's moments where it's just going to be the kindling. But can I tell you that that kindling is still there? And all it takes... Is one breath of the Spirit of God to come on that kindling, and then the next thing you know, it moves from a campfire, and then it goes to a bonfire, and then the next thing you know, it's a wildfire throughout your family. It's a wildfire throughout your workplace. It's a wildfire throughout your college. It's a wildfire through the city of Nashville and all over the world. So that's my hope, and for maybe some of you, you're like, this is actually what I want. Because I've been going to, and I've heard about church, and I've heard about Jesus for years, but it's, it's been religion, it's been something that really doesn't inspire me. You know why the church in Ireland has died? And that town hasn't had a, a real church since 1979? It's because they allowed it to become religion, not relationship. And as I look around, there's a lot of churches that I see that say, for lease, here in Nashville. And there's a lot of churches that I see that say, for sale, here in America. And somewhere that fire died. So God, do something more. Do something more.